Your goal is to create happy customers who then create other happy customers. Go! Congratulations! Here's what I've learned. The best of the best have got the following. selling, going, going. God, so congratulations. Let's have a look at the facts. Watch your goal for the next six months. And I wanted to start off with talking about shit bosses. Because um, I think that most people do have a boss. Of course, if you're totally self-employed, um, you don't have the formal authority of having someone to um, report to. But... Um, I think your clients are your bosses. If you if you run a business, your clients are your bosses. So I want to talk about when you've got a shit boss. And I went into a meeting not long ago to present at a coaching workshop. And the boss said to me, just got to listen to this. The boss said to me, Tom, don't worry about these people here. They're dead wood. And he was referring to a group of about five or six people that were sitting at one part of the room. And I found that like um, a, a, a strange thing to say just before you're about to present to a group at a training seminar, they're dead wood. And my response back to him was, were they dead when you hired them or did you kill them? which to me is a fair enough question because it's basically saying you were either a shit manager and you took good people and you made them bad or you were so fucking dumb you hired someone bad at the outset. So this is a really interesting point because I think that the role of a manager is to get the best version of people coming to work. I mean, I'm a manager, I've got managers, I've been managing people for a long time. If you're watching this, you're probably a manager um, or work for a manager. Um, so one of the things I'm gonna to say to you about leadership and management is that the role in management is to get the best version of people showing up. And I'm going to give you some research that shows, and there's great articles and, and evidence that says that when you actually treat people that you think that they're better than what they think they are, they actually lift their game. So there's some research um, out there, and I was reading it on the plane here, uh, but I've read similar research in the past where they give um, school teachers at high school um, students, and they'll take students that have got equal ability and equal past performance. And what they'll do is that they'll say to um, the two teachers, so they'll create two classes, I'll say to the two teachers that um, this class here is high performing students that have done significantly well, and they give it to the teacher. Um, and then to another teacher, they'll say these students here, um, they have done not so well. But in reality, it's a bit of a double blind study because the students are of equal ability. What they find at the end of the year at school is that the kids that were um, taught by a teacher that was under the impression that they were high performing, these kids did significantly better. And the kids that were told by the teacher uh, and the, the, the teacher that was um, teaching them 
was told that their poor performers, these kids, either stayed the same level or went backwards. So what we clearly know is that um, if you're a person in authority and you believe in the potential of people, they do better. They do better. So I think this is a great learning in the world of leadership to actually show up and your goal is to, and, and I've got to say to you, if, if you're an employee, you'll do a lot better if you feel terrific about yourself. You will do shit if you feel bad about yourself. The role of a boss is to make you feel terrific about yourself. If you don't have a boss like that, I would turn around and say to yourself, you know what? Am I growing out of this relationship of employer, employee? I mean, I have to say I've had an amazing run for, I would say, six years now. I've had great managers um, in, in the roles that I've worked, but I would say that I've had some fuckheads. Um, so all I can say is critical that um, you also, if you're an employee here, you're interviewing who you work for. Um, one of the things I'll say to you, if you're a manager, but um, catch people doing things right. I actually find that catching people doing things right is an amazing thing that gets people to um, perform better than expected. I wanna talk about the second thing tonight, and that is that every job has got two jobs. Every job's got two jobs. Every job's got two jobs. And I I was taught this as a 19 year old. I was um, uni at first year, uni, 19 years of age, and I'd had a cold for a, about um, a week and a half, and my mum sent me up the road to the doctor that we had. His name was Dr. Wong. He was on Canterbury Road in Belmont. Um, and I went and saw Dr. Wong, and I remember, you know, waiting in the waiting room, going in. I told him I had a blocked nose, a sore throat, and a headache, and um, he checked me out. And then he sat me down, and he said, okay. He pulled out a prescription pad, and he started writing. He wrote the words, Amoxyl down, on the piece of paper. And at the end of it, he said, okay, give me your Medicare card. He swiped it, and he said, thank you, Tom, that's it. Take that for a week and you'll be okay. I got up and I walked to the door and I looked at him and I said, you got a good job. You got a great job. And he looked at me and he said, why do you say that? And I said, well, I was waiting outside. I come in here, you see me for five minutes, you collect money, I leave, you get the next patient. You got a good job. He looked at me and he said, Tom, that's half the job. I said, what's the other half? And he said, the other half is finding patience. That was my first learning. My first learning that every job's got two jobs. The job itself, which is for him a doctor, get them better. But job number two is find patience. So the bottom line is, you won't be doing the job if you've got no one to do it for. So there's no point being the best at something if you haven't actually got anyone to serve. 
And for me, that is such a critical learning, whether it's in medicine, whether it's in law. Like I see it at personal trainers all the time. You'll walk into a gym and you'll just see a PT sitting there on their mobile phone, you know, playing some game or texting away because they don't have a client. They might be an amazing personal trainer. They might be like, they may have a Bachelor of Science majoring in physical education or whatever the degrees in um, um, health and fitness. They might be very intelligent at what you should be doing as exercises. But the bottom line is if you don't have any clients, you're not gonna make any money. And that's why I reckon one of the best parts of any job is the ability to find the clients. I have to tell you, as an executive, as someone that's a coach, as a trainer, it is the most important skill. The ability to find the stuff is more important than actually doing the job. You'll, you'll get practice doing the job later on. You've gotta be a hustler. You've gotta be out there to have the ability to get the clients. I've said it before, talent is shit without the hustle, and I've said it. Hustle beats talent when talent won't hustle. And the reality is that people that are good at finding other people are the ones that companies want to keep. They're the ones that are uh, like, if you're really good at finding other people, you will be the last made redundant in your business. You'll also be the person that gets headhunted by other people. You'll also be the one that is able to ask for more money because everyone wants people that can generate business. So look at Michelle Bridges. Like, I don't know whether she is the best um, personal trainer, but I can tell you, she runs an amazing business because she is really good at the finding of the clients. She runs an attraction business. What's the saying? It's not who you know, it's who knows you. And she has learned how to run an attraction business. She runs a $20 million business by out there doing her nine week programs. She's out there using all the media. She attracts the business, key learning. So let's move on to the next thing I wanna to talk to you about. So what have I learned as a media executive that has taught me not to actually believe everything I read? Here's what I've learned. Firstly, I want you to understand that the role of newspapers is not to tell you about the 27,000 planes that landed safely today, but they will tell you about the one plane that had a small hiccup. That is the role of newspapers. Remember this, misery loves company. Remember that. And what we know is that the way media works is that it needs to make money. And the way it makes money is like this. What happens is that it needs eyeballs so it can go to advertisers like David Jones or real estate companies or BMW and say, look at how many people we've got reading our products. But to get people to read the products, they must shop them. They must actually give them information that they read and want to read. So you'll always find that the front page of a headline is really drastic. But this doesn't mean that you should stop 
reading the media or stop watching the news. It means that you may have to do a diet on media, but for me, what it means is this, that I know when I'm reading an article in the paper or I'm watching the news, I know that it has been amplified because its role is to get eyeballs. And this is a very important learning because it basically says that media consumption predominantly will be of a negative nature because bad news sells. But it also means from a personal development point of view, you should not make your education and your personal growth to be totally dependent on that source of information. Because if you do, you are leaving the default switch and the default switch is that we're gonna give you more negative information. And what I say to people is, work harder on yourself than the job, and it means that you must work on your mind. And working on your mind is that you must be ensuring that you're getting information that is coming from sources that, like, don't get me wrong, Alan Jones is a good bloke, I'm sure he is. But the guy sits there and all he does is do negative criticism. I mean, I don't think that is gonna develop your life incredibly and very fast. I think you're gonna get more use out of listening to a positive podcast or, or listening to an audio book because I gotta tell you, your car is a university on wheels. It has the opportunity for you to develop your mind as you go from one appointment to another appointment. And I'm gonna urge people here, if you don't have it at the moment, use the podcast channel if you're an iPhone user or um, if you're not an iPhone user, I think it's called uh, Podcast Attic if you're Samsung, but there is so much free information. I would love you, and I've got to tell you, some of my, you know, you know, one of my favorite podcasts, of course, is James Altucher. Love listening to him. I love listening to the Advanced Selling Podcast. I do a podcast with John McGrath every week, Million Dollar Agent and Troy Malcolm. Um, so um, I love you to listen to that. It has got a real estate focus to it. Um, but go to the podcast channel and listen to podcasts because what I'm saying is that you need to control the temperature of the content that comes into you. The next thing I wanna to talk to you about is getting in line and staying in line. And there's a thing called the success cube. I'm just gonna have a glass of red here. Mm. Thank you. Okay, the success cube. I just want you, you know, like I get a lot of, I, I get a lot of people, uh, particularly young people saying to me, you know, Tom, give me some, you know, quick tips to get successful really quickly. So I've said it before on Sunday Night Rants, you got to play the long fucking game. That's the secret to it. It's the same, it's the same, it's the same setup as, you know, getting a six pack, you know, the bottom line is one sit up does not work going to the mirror. So that's fucking bullshit. So what we're talking about is playing the long game. What's the long game? The long game is this. I want you to visualize that you're at a function and at this function they've got um, buffet table set up and the MC says, ladies and gentlemen, you can now uh, proceed to get dinner. Um, so you see the buffet stand and you go over there 
And what you see in the buffet stand is, you know, a queue, and you see at the start of the line there's the lettuce and um, um, carrots, and then you see there's rice, and down the end of the queue you see that they've got the meats and chicken, and you sort of get in line, and and you you know you get a little bit, uh, um, well, you think to yourself, I'm not going to just sit here and wait um, because it's been about five or six minutes, so you decide to leave the queue and you go elsewhere thinking maybe there's another buy station. And then you realize that there's not. And then what actually happens is you come back to the original spot that you're at, except the line has got bigger now. So you're now waiting for 15, 20 minutes. And um, there's a great metaphor here. And that metaphor is this, get in line and fucking stay in line. That's the secret. The secret is, that you have to earn your stripes in the early stages and looking for some shortcut, looking for some other way of doing it um, is not there. So I'm going to urge you to get in line, stay in line. Hard work pays off in the future. Laziness pays off now. Remember that. Okay. Second last thing before I go to dinner tonight. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, and by the way, I don't like people that get onto Facebook and talk about their problems, or I don't like people that talk about their problems too much, because 80% of people don't give a fuck about your problems, remember that, and 20% of people are actually happy that you've got them. So don't worry about talking about your problems. You know, ultimately, I want you to understand, people generally care about themselves, right? Um, You've got to accept that. And I've also said, you know, don't worry about trying to get the approval of other people. The best way to get someone's approval is to not need it in the first place. Remember that. Remember that. Never, Never give your power, your power to another person by sort of saying, I'm going to be happy if you're happy with me. Fuck that game, right? The bottom line is what you want to do is you want to control your happiness, So I want to talk to you about, someone asked me last week, Tom, let's get this right. You work at News Corp, you run an auction company doing, you know, you know, uh, eight to 10 auctions um, a week, did 10 yesterday, great day, nine out of 10. Um, You run the real estate gym, you do coaching, you do speaking at conferences. Um, How do you fit it all in? So, Here's how I do it. Get ready for it. It's a system I use called Big Rocks. So Big Rocks works this way. I want you to visualize that you had a bunch of rocks and you had, you know, um, um, heaps of buckets of sand. And your job was to get the rocks and the sand into a jar. Ask yourself this question. What would you put first in? Would you put in the rocks or would you put in the sand? Think about that. Now, if you've thought about it for a few seconds, you'll visually start realizing that if you put the rocks in first into the jar and then put the sand in, the sand finds its way. And this is the metaphor that I have on getting shit done. Work your big rocks. The rest of the stuff, don't sweat the small stuff. It's all small stuff. 
work your big rocks. What are the things that have the biggest influence in your life at a particular week? That's what you've got to focus on, right? That's what you've got to focus on. So some of the big rocks that you've got to be looking at is the key performance indicators in, in your roles. I don't know what they are, because I mean, we've got thousands of people that watch this, and I don't know what jobs you do, but I can tell you that some of the big rocks, and I find that there's about five or six most important tasks. When I do these things, I seem to have a much better week. So I'm just gonna run through a few of those things. The first thing I'll tell you is that having a great morning ritual is an important rock for me, which means waking up early, having two minutes of an attitude of gratitude, um, having my spiritual time where I acknowledge that um, there's a greater force out there and that I'm grateful for what I've got today. Um, I'm grateful that there's fresh water. I mean, some countries you can't drink the water out of tap. So you've got to be grateful for everything that pops up in your head, you know, in the morning. So turn the water on. Wow, there are no bombs here. Wow, that's a plus. So I go into a gratitude state. That to me is a big rock. It gets me in the right frame of mind. The next thing a big rock is for me is to write down my most important tasks of the day. Write them down. I use an app on my iPhone called Things and that syncs with um, my MacBook and um, my um, iPad. So I like that. But if you just used a to-do list, just all I'm saying is that something unimportant done well does not make that thing important. And making sure that you work out what's important is a critical thing that you've got to do. Another big rock for me is daily exercise. I just find that when you exercise well, you think better. When you think better, you make better decisions. You make better decisions, you take better actions. So exercise also is an energy enabler. So I find that that is a big rock. The next thing that I find that is a really, really big rock is making sure that I go ugly early. And going ugly early means that I make my difficult calls at the first part of the day. It's like eating your broccoli, just get it out of the way. Because what I find is if I don't, what actually happens is it drains me knowing that I've got to face that issue later. So getting your most important calls done early in the morning, I find that's a big rock. Um, so all I'm saying to you is work out your big rocks in your life and don't sweat the small stuff. That's how you get a lot of shit done. Okay, let me just see what else did I say I was going to talk about. Um, yeah, look, you know, it's going to just final thing I was going to talk about is I reckon it doesn't matter what job you do. Selling is absolutely critical. And I'm just going to talk to you about how to sell anything to anyone. Here are some basic rules. How to sell anything to anyone. Number one, I would say is learn the law of liking. When someone likes you, they are more inclined to buy from you. That is simple. Quick tips on how to get liked very quickly. Number one, number one, be similar to the person that you're speaking to, right? Number two, if there's something that is nice about that other person, give them a sincere, genuine compliment. They are two things that equals instant rapport. The next thing about um, how to sell anyone anything. Remember this, the law of scarcity. It works. People uh, don't want to miss out on the last thing. Whatever it is, you'll notice that they rush for it. The law of scarcity. At an auction, 
I auction on a Saturday, what I notice is people are scared of missing out on a property so they keep bidding because they don't want to miss out on it. That is the law of scarcity in there. So scarcity is a very powerful force in influence and sales. The next thing I'll tell you that is very powerful in selling is what I call the law of authority. The law of authority. Have you ever noticed that whenever there's, let me think of something, you know, exercise equipment on television when they're selling at those infomercials and they're, you know, trying to show you the machine that will give you a six pack or, you know, give you a great bum. Have you ever noticed that what they'll do is they'll bring in a person that is a doctor, that sounds like a doctor, that sometimes even wears a doctor's outfit because what they're doing is they're giving you the law of authority. They're sort of saying, this is not some spruker, this is actually some expert. Like, I have to tell you, I notice it myself. So I do Sky Business every Monday night on TV and what actually happens is when I'm dressed up with a nice jacket and a shirt there and, you know, the, the TV network behind me, you know, I get people asking me all the time, oh, Tom, you know, they'll ask me at a cafe, Tom, what do you think about um, this marketplace? Where do you, what, what do you think is the best place to buy property? And you know what? That's because of that. If I'm wearing a pair of, a, a tank top and a pair of shorts, mate, people treat me like a fuckwit. The bottom line is the, the way that you dress and the way that you're positioned affects what people think. So the law of authority is absolutely critical. The next thing I'm going to tell you is the law of social proof. The law of social proof. Think about the law of social proof. Have you ever walked past a restaurant? Every table is taken. It's chock-a-block. You've never even heard of the restaurant. But before you know it, you want to go into the restaurant. The food could be fucking shit. But you have no idea because all you're doing is social proof. I'll tell you how powerful social proof is. TripAdvisor, I guarantee you, if you're watching this, there's a possibility you've gone on to TripAdvisor and you have listened to people, John and Sarah Smith from Bundaberg, who you don't even know who these people are, yet you listen to them because people listen to other people. That is the power. We live in a new world. It's not what you say to the market. It's what the market says to the market. That is what's happening. The power is with consumers. And now what we're seeing is social media is social proof on steroids. The last thing I'll tell you as we finish off here is understand the law of reciprocity. And the law of reciprocity is this, that if you give to someone, they will give back. It happens with birthday presents. It happens with wars. Have you noticed? Like Australia went and helped America in the war on terror. I mean, seriously, I mean, the amount of Aussies that went over there. They weren't gonna make a huge impact. But what it is, it's a symbol that we're helping you. So if there's ever any trouble, you must help us. That is the law of reciprocity and it helps in sales, which says that when you give to someone, they will give back. And that is how I'm gonna finish Sunday night rant. Look forward to seeing you. Most importantly, guys and girls, I just got to say to you that um, focus on your big rocks. What are three most important things you'd love to achieve next week? And just focus on those. 
The last thing I was going to say is guys and girls love you to share this video. Um, I just, look, I don't make any dollars out of it, but the currency of knowing of making an impact at my stage of my life means a lot to me. Thank you so much. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in, guys and girls. You can join me on Facebook for the live Sunday night rant every week at 8.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. And if you're in real estate, just Google Tom Panos and you'll find a heap of resources and interviews where million-dollar agents share their strategies. See you next week. Let's have a look at the facts. What's your goal for the next?